I want to focus on the cross. I want us to reflect on its power, on its glory, on its majesty, on the message that God intends to tell us through the cross. And uh, so I would encourage you just to spend the next couple of weeks as you read through the Scriptures, and I hope that you do that on a regular basis, uh, that you, as you read, that you're struck by the ideas, the core ideas behind the Gospel, the ideas of redemption and sacrifice and the cross that Jesus suffered for us to make us who we are today in Him. The focal point of the Gospel is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The focal point of the Gospel is the crucifixion. When Paul went to the city of Corinth, he said in 1 Corinthians 2.2, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He said in verse uh, uh, chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, but we preach Christ crucified. The focal point of the Gospel is the cross. At the heart of the good news, at the heart of the Gospel stands the idea of a sacrificial, substitutionary death of Jesus Christ for us sinners. Romans 5-6 says, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless, God, uh, Christ died for the ungodly. You, you really can't accept the Gospel. You, you can't really appreciate the Gospel without coming to terms with the image of this blood, bloody, broken body of Christ hanging on an old rugged cross. Jesus Christ died this horrible, torturous, gory death for people like you and me, and there lies the rub for many people. For many people... They can't get, they just don't want to go there. They just don't want to go there to what the cross really means. Many people seem to appreciate Christ for his teachings. And, and many people say they admire Christ for his character. But they will not, never will, appreciate nor accept his crucifixion. They find the image of a bloody, broken Messiah hanging on this old rugged cross, they see it as offensive and disgusting, even repugnant. And there are still others who see the cross as foolishness, as nonsense, as just a bunch of baloney. You see, the cross appears to be a stumbling block to some. And others, to others, it appears to be sheer idiocy. But for those of us who are being saved, For those of us who are being saved, the message of the cross is the power and the wisdom of God. What is the message of the cross? Why do so many people in the world around us reject it? And why do we who are being saved see the cross of Christ as being our only hope for life and peace with God? The next two weeks, I hope to bring some light to that. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Father, we love You so much. We thank You for the opportunity You've given us to gather here. We thank You. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your Word that brings light to our souls. And we thank You for the Spirit of God that, that brings out the meaning and the application of this Word to our life. And I pray today 
that as I share this message from your heart, from your word, that the Holy Spirit would shine its powerful light on it. And help us to see the cross in a new way, a fresh way. Help us to see the power of the cross and its meaning to us. And help us to live in the light of what your word has to say about the cross. Help us to embrace this cross and hang on to it as the only hope we have in this world because it truly is the only hope we have in this world. We give you glory. We give you praise. Open up our ears. Open up our eyes. Open up our hearts so that we can embrace this truth and live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. Oswald Chambers said this. I love Oswald Chambers. I hope that you do too. All of heaven is interested in the cross of Christ, hell afraid of it, while men are the only ones to ignore its meaning. A lot of truth to that. Brothers and sisters, let's not be ignorant of the message and the meaning of the cross. Let's set our minds and hearts on understanding what God is trying to tell us through this bloody Messiah hanging on this old rugged cross. I want to point out to you quickly today just four messages that come to mind immediately when I think about the cross and what the Bible has to say about the cross. Message number one is this. The whole world stands condemned. The whole world stands condemned. Message number one. At the cross, the sins of this world reached its climax. At the cross the most terrible display of wickedness and evil took place. At the cross, the world has never seemed so malevolent, so dark, and so hateful. The full capacity for man's sin and corruption lies exposed in the cross. The Bible teaches that the, ver- that ev- the heart of every one of us is desperately wicked. Romans chapter 3, verses 9-11 through 11 says this about you and me. Now listen, these verses are about you and me apart from Christ, okay? For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are, what's that word? All under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even, there is No one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good. Not even... The whole world stands condemned. The cross proves that God's judgment of the human heart to be true. Everyone in the whole world is guilty of sin before God and stands condemned to die. All people are sinners. And in their sin, we see it at the cross, in full display, in their sin, people people from religious backgrounds, people from political backgrounds, people from every conceivable background, in their sin, people conspired to send an innocent, righteous man named Jesus to an unjust and horrible death on the cross. This is what John 3.19 has to say about that. This is the verdict. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness 
instead of light. Come on, let's get real honest with ourselves. We much prefer living in shadows than we do living in the light. Come on. Now some might say men and women today, they're different. Men and women today, society's different. Culture's different. We're more educated. We're more moral. We're more enlightened. We're more sophisticated. Some, I see you guys going like this because you already know. We're, heck no, we're not. They, 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 they might say that if Jesus came back today, everything would be different. He wouldn't, we wouldn't crucify Him. Instead, what we'd do is we'd receive Him gladly and throw a parade in His honor. And I'll tell you this. This is my response to people who think we're more sophisticated today than that. That we're more moral today, more enlightened. Let me, here's my response. Christ does come to us every day. He does come to us every day. And we have little or nothing to do with it. He comes to us in the Bibles, His Word that He's given to us. And we will read it. He comes to us in church services that we won't attend. He comes to us in sermons that we won't listen to. He comes to us in the form of human need that we ignore and pass on by. You see, I'm confident that if Christ came back today, we'd crucify Him more quickly than they did 2,000 years ago because the human heart is still as sinful as it ever was. In their day, people saw Christ work miracles. They heard His voice. They heard His teachings. They watched Jesus do the will of the Father. But when they were given a chance to choose between Jesus and Barabbas, when they were given a chance to let Jesus escape the suffering of the cross, those same people began to cry out what? Crucify Him! Crucify Him! Why? Why is that our response? Why did people insist on sending an innocent Christ Jesus to His death? I'll tell you why. The Bible has pinpointed our problem. Human nature is basically wicked. Human, the human heart is essentially depraved. And as we stand looking at the cross, as we stand looking at the cross over these next couple of days, you can hear God say, and we are compelled to agree with Him, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, including me. When you look at that cross, the first message you ought to see in it is this. I need a Savior. I'm condemned in my sin. My behavior, my attitudes have condemned me to eternal death. I have nothing in front of me but hell. I need a Savior. I stand condemned. C.J. Mahaney said this, a great pastor from the past, Unless you see yourself standing there with the shrieking crowd full of hostility and hatred for the holy and innocent Lamb of God, you don't really understand the nature and depth of your sin or the necessity of the cross. So the first message of the cross that we need to hear, we need to see it, 
It tells us that the whole world stands condemned. The whole world, including you and me, we desperately need a Savior. That's the message of the cross. There's another message to the cross I want to point out to you today, and it tells us this, how much God hates sin. The cross tells us in no uncertain terms how much God hates sin. Sin is anything apart from the will of God. Sin is missing the mark of God's calling, His plan, His purpose for your life. God says in Ezekiel 18.20, the one who sins is the one who will die. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. The Bible clearly says again and again and again that God hates sin. God won't tolerate sin. Sin is a cancer that destroys everything it touches. It took this perfect creation and has turned it upside down and ruined it. God could not remain a righteous God and compromise with sin. His holiness and His justice demand the death penalty for sin. And that's the message that we ought to see in the cross today. The death of Christ Jesus on the cross gives us a picture of just how much God hates sin. We want to take sin on as a pet. Love my little sin, my little sin, my little pet sin. Look at him, he's so pretty. No, don't look at him, you might take it from me. He's so pretty. Let me feed my little pet sin. I think I can manage him. I think I can train him to do only what he's supposed to do. No, come on, y'all. We think we can manage sin, we think we can play with it, and it's never going to harm us. Y'all know better than that by now, don't you? That's what we try to do. The death of Christ Jesus on that cross gives us a clear picture of how much God hates sin. Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness for sin. You see, Christ Jesus shed His blood on the cross to pay the death penalty for the sins of the whole world. It's His blood that paid our ransom. He did not deserve to die the death He died. He'd done no wrong. But Jesus died on the cross in our place as our substitute to pay sin's penalty for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Look, here's something I'm really troubled by in our current church culture. And this is something I want you to come to terms with when you see the cross. When you see the cross, one of the first things I want you to think about is how much God hates sin. Because there's a tendency today to think that God doesn't take sin too seriously anymore. There's a tendency in our culture today to think that God's okay with our little pet sin. That God understands it. That God overlooks it. That He may even accept it. But let me tell you something. The cross tells us something completely different than that. The cross graphically describes for us 
just how much God hates sin. He hates sin so much that He sent His only Son to die so that the whole world might be rid of sin once and for all. So that little pet sin that you think He's it's a wink and a nod, He's okay with it? No, He's not. His Son shed blood to cleanse you from that sin. Third message in the cross. Y'all are going, oh my Lord, He's going to beat us up all night, all day. Oh, no, no, no. See, you've got to know the bad news before you know the good news. Third message of the cross is this, how much God loves us. You see, you and I stand condemned before a holy God for what we have done. The cross tells us that God hates sin so much that He was willing to send His Son to pay the penalty for our sin, to rid us of it once and for all. That ought to tell you something. That ought to tell you that God loves you like that. That He would be willing to pay such a dramatic price for you. God is love. We know that. And everything God does flows out of His love. We know that. And we, 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 we see God showing us His loving nature in the beauty of His creation. Man, Lorna and I just built a new front porch onto our house. I went outside last night and watched that lightning storm come through. <laughs> Beautiful. A God who can just throw lightning bolts like that. Man, he must be something else. You know what I'm talking about? A God who does that and loves me still? Amazing. We experience God's love and His plans for us. Chrissy, His plans for us. Jennifer Gilbert, where are you? Did you leave already? She had to go already. When y'all see Jennifer, tell, get her to tell you her story of what happened to her this week. You see, God does have a plan for us. And He shows us how much He loves us when we submit to His leadership and let Him work His plan for us. It's amazing how you just walk around constantly aware of God's over, uh, overwhelming, amazing love. Come on, right, Chrissy? Oh, He shows us His love for us in the plans that He has for us. He shows us His love and His provision for us, His protection of us. I mean, God has a way of showing us His love again and again and again and the blessings that He lavishes on us. How many of you can now look back over your life, even in those times of rebellion, and recognize the hand of God who was protecting you when you didn't deserve His protection and providing for you when you didn't deserve His provision? That's who He is. Yes, that's who He is. He loves us like that. He loves us like that. But as, as wonderful as all of those things are, nothing compares to the love He reveals to us in the cross. In the cross. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Nothing says, I love you, like a bloody cross. Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, and he says this, 
when we were utterly helpless. Helpless. I want you to think about that word for just a moment. When we were utterly helpless. What does that mean? Utterly helpless. Utterly helpless. You remember that time where you recognized, I am utterly helpless in this moment. There's not one thing I can do about the situation I'm in. There's not one thing I can do to overcome this sin that has wrapped itself around my heart. There is absolutely nothing I can do to change anything about me. Remember what that felt like? When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. Anybody in this room recognize yourself as being especially good? Especially bad. Thank you very much for your honesty. You're the kind of people He died for! But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still what? Sinners. He didn't wait for you to get cleaned up before you came. He took you just like you were. Oh, He's not going to leave you that way. But He did take you just like you were. Some of you are thinking to yourself right now, I can't believe for one moment that God could love somebody like me. The cross says differently. The cross says I love people just like you. In your helplessness, in your powerlessness, in your sin, in your rebellion, I love people just like you. I mean, how, how much more effectively could He say it? What more could He do to convince you of His great love for you than to send His own Son to die for you in your place on that cross to set you free from your sin and give you a new life, a new purpose, a new destiny? Look, God loves you. God loves you. If there is any doubt in your heart that God could love someone like you, I tell you, look at the cross and you can be certain that He does. Absolutely certain that He does. There's a fourth message. The whole world stands condemned. The cross tells us that God hates sin. The cross tells us that God loves us. And here's the fourth message I want to point out to you today. The cross gives us victory. The cross gives us victory. All of us honest people in the house, we have felt the sting of defeat at Satan's hands. We've, all the honest people in the house, <laughs> have known the oppression of being in bondage to sin. We've known it. We've felt it. All of the honest people in the house have experienced the shame and the guilt that comes from being under the devil's control. Shame and guilt. Shame and guilt. I hate shame and guilt. Makes me feel unworthy makes me feel despised, makes me feel rejected. 
makes me afraid that someone's going to find me out. I hate shame and guilt. And the devil wants us to wallow in it. That's where he wants us to stay. I believe that's the pit that David spoke about, the pit of despair, that pit of shame and guilt. We've wallowed there for far too long. Some of us need to understand that the cross has gained us a great victory. We are no longer part of that pit, but our feet have been put on a solid ground and our identity has been completely changed. We are no longer held captive by the devil, but we have now been set free to serve Christ. I don't know, man. Why do we want to stay in the pit? The, The cross... The cross gives us victory. Through the cross, God has delivered us from Satan's power. Through the cross, God sets us free from all of that guilt, from the the fear of sin's penalty. Through the cross, God has removed the stench of our shame and our guilt. And through the cross, we have been given a new life, a new identity, a new purpose, a new destiny. Through the cross, it is our victory. The cross is our victory. Romans 6 says it this way, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might what? Lose its power. Sin no longer controls us if we have placed our trust in that crucified and risen Savior. So stop making excuses. Let me say that again. I'll say it louder this time. Stop making excuses. All you need for victory over that thought life that you can't seem to get a control of, it's been won for you at the cross. That attitude that still seems to have its grip on your heart, The power of that attitude was broken when Christ died for you on the cross. Die to it. You have been crucified with Christ. Ooh, I'm getting on it. Let me get back. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. Read this sentence with me. We are no longer slaves to sin. Y'all sounded kind of half-hearted about it. Let's read that again. We are no longer slaves to sin. For here's the reason why. We're no longer... Sl- no, let's, let's personalize it. We need, before we go any further, I am no longer a slave to sin. I want you to personalize it, okay? Say it with me. I am no longer a slave to sin. Here's why. Here's what broke the power of sin. And you do not have to go back to that old lifestyle. You don't have to go back to that old addiction. You don't have to go back to that old behavior. You don't have to go back. That old man died with Christ. Listen, for when we died with Christ, when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we what? We know we will also live with Christ. God makes it clear in His his Word that our old man, that old self, that old person we used to be, died with Christ on the cross. That old sinful self used to be under the devil's control. 
That old sinful man was full of jealousy and greed and pride and selfishness and gossip and immorality and sins of every kind. But when Jesus died, our old self died with him. And I'm going to say it. We no longer need to serve sin anymore. You are not. Stop making excuses. The cross is your victory. You've been set free. Live in the freedom that you have gained in Christ Jesus. Live in the freedom that you have been given in Christ Jesus. Now here's the deal. I know at times, this is the way Satan works. The Bible warns us about him. He's like that roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. At times, Satan tries to resurrect that old man through temptation. Can I get an amen? He tries to resurrect that old dead man, which he can't do, by the way, because he doesn't have that kind of power. But in the cross, there is power to overcome. Through the cross, God is able to give us daily victory over Satan. He is able to give us daily victory over temptation until we can say with Paul in Galatians 2.20, and some of you need to go home and memorize this verse, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I will live, the, I will live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. You see, listen. Here's what I want you to walk away thinking today and knowing today. The ultimate goal of the cross is not just your forgiveness. The ultimate goal of the cross is not to just pardon you from sin. The ultimate goal of the cross, listen to me carefully here. The ultimate goal of the cross is to set you free. To set you free. To set you free from sin and set you free to live for Jesus Christ. That's the goal of the cross. The goal of the cross is to give you the power to live a life that reflects more and more the glory of the Lord. The power, the, the victory in the cross is, is to give you a life that more and more conforms to His life. Don't settle for anything less. Listen to me. Listen to me. Too many of us have our eyes on the person we're sitting next to. Well, as long as I live as good as they're living, I must be okay. Oh Lord, you need a paradigm shift. Don't even look to me as being the example you follow. Because I fall short of the glory of God too. And God's not finished working on me yet. What you need to do is keep your eyes focused on that Savior hanging on the cross. He's the one you follow. Follow me as I follow Christ. But don't set your eyes on me or anyone else, any other man in the flesh, person in the flesh, thinking that that's okay as long as I'm like that, as long as I... 
somebody said today, is Don in here? Don said, I'm learning to talk like y'all. I don't want you to talk like me. I want you to talk like Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I don't want you to think like me. I want you to think like Jesus. And that's what the cross is all about. The cross has come to give us power to think like Jesus. To obey God the Father like Jesus obeyed God the Father. To live in, in surrender to the Spirit of God, which is how Jesus lived when He lived. Listen, the cross has been given to us to give us power over sin so that we can become more and more the person Christ Jesus has called us to be. That's no wonder that Paul said 2,000 years ago, we preach Christ crucified. Bringing it to an end. Ben, if you want to come back, I'd appreciate it. When Paul said 2,000 years ago, we preach Christ crucified, I think, when, when, I think he was on to something because I'm afraid that too often we drift away from that. And I'm asking us to recalibrate a little bit and get our minds focused on the cross again. To many in this world, the cross is a stumbling block. To others, the cross is just so much foolishness. But to those of us who've turned from sin and trusted in the crucified Christ Jesus, this cross is the power and the wisdom of God. I want to close with a quote from John Piper. We're going to go into a, a, a time of worship and communion. I love what John Piper had to say. I can't think of a better way to close this out, to meditate on just a little bit as we spend time in praise. Piper said this, and this is where we're at today, and this is where I want us all to be today. Life is wasted if we do not grasp the glory of the cross. Life is wasted if we do not grasp the glory of the cross, cherish it for the treasure that it is, and cleave to it as the highest price of every pleasure and the deepest comfort in every pain. What was once foolishness to us, a crucified God, must become our wisdom and our power and our only boast in this world. I had a friend back a long time ago when I was a youth pastor. I had a friend who was able to spend some time with a great man of God named Leonard Ravenhill. And I don't know if you're familiar with his name or not. Sean is. Yeah, a lot of secrets you don't know about me, man. Leonard Ravenhill is a great prophet of God. And, and, and uh, Ravenhill met with this small group of youth pastors. And they asked him, this great man of God, what one piece of advice would you give us today before we leave? And he looked at them and he thought about it for just a moment. And he said, young men, get hold of the cross and hang on to it like a drowning man. Get hold of the cross and hang on to it like a drowning man. CLF, brothers and sisters in Christ, your only hope is the cross of Christ. All the good that you intend to do and maybe do is meaningless. Your only hope is the cross of Christ.
Your only hope for forgiveness is the cross. Your only hope for power in your life is the cross. Your only hope for purpose and identity in this world is the cross. Get hold of the cross and hang on like a drowning man. Because it's all you got. It's all you got in this world. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me, please. Look, I have a feeling that there's some people in this room that have, haven't bowed their heart to Christ Jesus and you're trying to live life on your own and you really haven't given yourself to Him. You're holding back. I, I think you mean to and you want to, but for some reason you're holding back and you want to manage certain parts of your life instead of give it to Him. Listen, Christ won't settle for anything but everything. He wants it all. He wants it all. I mean, you, when you look at the cross, you can't help but think to yourself, He gave it all. How do you think He's going to be satisfied if you offer Him only a portion of yourself? He gave it all so that you will give it all back to Him. I think some of you need to really consider where you're at in your walk with the Lord today. You're going through a lot of religious motion. You're jumping hoops thinking somehow you're earning God's favor when truly that stuff doesn't matter at all. But for the cross, we are all lost and all condemned. But for the cross, there is no hope for us. There is no power for us to overcome sin. See, you're trying to deal with the sin in your life your way. You think you can control it. You think you can manage it. And the reality is, you cannot. 